0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of our uh, Hot Topics in CT, that April variety. And I left off last time talking to you that I was going to speak about radiation. And radiation dose is something that is kind of critically important. But again, as I mentioned last time, we need to balance things out. And articles like this, scientists says FDA ignored radiation warnings. Dr. Julian Nicholas, a gastroenterologist, warned the FDA against CT scans for colon cancer screening. Here he is about to do a colonoscopy. Now let me think what his uh, impact is. And you know, people have different opinions about uh, radiation. People have different opinions about virtual colonoscopy versus classic colonoscopy. But just because the FDA did not listen to what you said doesn't mean they ignored your warnings. I mean, it's kind of just a silly thing. Uh, again, you know, you're talking about older patients. You're talking so in the worst case, they're older patients looking for cancer. Um, you know, you got to be kidding me. So let's look at some of the things that have been said. Good article, Cynthia McCullough at uh, Mayo Clinic. How effective is radiation dose of predictor of radiation risk? Effective dose is not the risk for one, any one individual due to the inherent uncertainties and oversimplifications involved. Effective dose should not be used for epidemiologic studies or for estimating population risks. And I think it's a very good point. People are throwing around numbers you know, it's kind of like background radiation, which varies by a factor of tenfold or more, depending where you are in different parts of the North and South Hemisphere, and yet there's no difference in cancer rates with this very much different background radiation. So everything is sort of an oversimplification. I think what needs to be happening, and Dr. McCullough makes his point, is we need to be looking at the science, not the hysterics. I mean, can you imagine everything now that's being talked about is... Decisions based on uh, nuclear events at Hiroshima and Nagasaki and what they thought happened to that population of patients. I mean, that's not exactly rocket science we're looking at. We're looking at estimations. We're not looking at real factual science. And there been a number of articles talking about this linear theory. I think we need more science in this regard. Now, there's another good article in AJR talking about what you need to do. Image gently is a campaign to really look at lowering dose. But again, you can see how to lower dose but optimize image quality. You got to keep the two of them in mind. And they talk about 10 steps that can be done. Steps are very simple. Increase awareness and understanding of CT radiation dose among technologists. That alone is an important thing. Know what you're doing, know why you're doing it, and know to limit things. Limit what you need to do, but do it correctly the first time. Use a qualified medical physicist. Obtain accreditation from the ACR program. That's going to become more standard. Not that many sites have it, but that will become something that will become very important. So get looking at it. Those things often take time. When appropriate, use an alternative, alternative imaging strategy that does not involve radiation. You can do ultrasound. Do ultrasound, for example. Determine if the audit CT is justified again we should be doing justified studies that you know again uh, that's sort of holy grail but if the study is not necessary whether it has radiation or not it shouldn't be done an ultrasound study shouldn't be done if it's not necessary establish baseline radiation dose for adult sized patients know what you're dealing with so your site is really uh, doing things that are as good as it can be done. Establish radiation doses for pediatric patients by child-sizing CT scanning parameters. Remember some articles published a few years back showed that many sites had the same protocol regardless of patient size. Well, every protocol now, we have it for adults, we have it for kids, and we have it for different size kids. You need to do that, and the manufacturers are very aware of that, and they're making that much easier. You need to optimize pediatric examination parameters and you need to optimize adult parameters. Scan only the indicated area. Have the patient breathe correctly. Don't scan half the chest if you're doing an abdominal CT. It's so easy to scan more, it's so fast, but do what you're supposed to be doing and preparing a child friendly or an adult friendly environment. I'll, ex- I'll add that to their comments because if the patient's comfortable, if they do this, if they are ready for the study, the study is done right the first time, and you don't have to repeat it because of motion, or the study was done poorly because of the patient not breathing correctly. Again, a very good article. Uh, Really try, a good article to circulate, text, docs, everyone should be looking at it. Now this article by Jaffe made the point that there's variability in dose within the same institution. Now you remember this article a couple weeks ago in the Annals talking about how different doses between different institutions in the same geographic area. Here it was different scanners in the same institution now to be fair it's not surprising they said look we have four slice 16 and 64 and so it's not a surprise dose will be different and of course you can see the doses were a factor of two different or three different depending on the protocol and these were the same protocols but it was a scanner again 64 slice gives you lower dose than a 16 or a 4 typically or a 1 so it does make the point that if you're getting a scan and you're a patient, you should be going to the site that has the newest and best scanners that give the lowest radiation dose. That even people who know what they're doing, if you have an older scanner, the dose is going to be higher. And here they made the point that the PE protocol on Siemens was less than on GE. Now, GE uh, does a lot of work to reduce dose, and I'm not picking one vendor over the other in this regard, but just making the point there were so many things. And I think we need to be aware of this because as consumers become aware, they're going to go to you and say, I need a scanner that's this brand with this dose, particularly if companies market it. And you know how things are being marketed. It's kind of like all those... Uh, Uh, ED medications on TV and all the things for asthma on TV. You know, it's very, very confusing, and it's trying to get the consumers to pick and choose, not exactly on the science. But as I said, doses, important to make certain you're doing the right study. Here's a patient in renal donors. CT is the way to go. But look at the scan. There's too much chest. There's too much pelvis. You're scanning from basically the celiac axis through the mid-pelvis to look for the... uh, accessory renal arteries when they're present but you can see in a case like this you could have done 20 or 30 percent too much dose for no reason you don't need to scan those areas Now, that will tell you we have a new website coming up CT is us we're gonna speak lots about dose but to make things even easier we're gonna to try to isolate a lot of our radiation stuff to its dose ct.com so working on it as we talk okay what else this month pancreas there are a couple different articles about the pancreas um, that uh, were published this month and one of them I thought was good was the question about ultrasound and CT, endoscopic ultrasound. How does it uh, uh, go together and they made the point that CT is a study of choice but ultrasound can be helpful. Made three points. CT is indeterminate. You see a common duct that's dilated a pancreatic duct that's dilated. There's a cutoff. You know there has to be a mass there but you don't see a mass endoscopic ultrasound can be valuable, and then a negative CT but high clinical suspicion may be a strong family history. So again, something uh, again the complementary use of those two modalities. We also find it can be helpful in patients with cystic pancreatic lesions. If you're trying to find a reason not to operate, then you would want to do an endoscopic ultrasound at times to show that there's no, the cells show no premalignant condition. What else? Appendix. There are a few good articles in the appendix, and there's always articles on the appendix. You know, we always argue oral versus IV, IV and oral versus rectal, and all the various combinations. But this uh, um, aud- there were two articles that actually made some very important points, and the bottom line is they said diagnostic correctness is much more influenced by the reader than the use of contrast medium, depending how you do it, or by simulated low-dose studies. So what they're saying is, you've got to be good at reading the scans. Visualization of the appendix depended pre- predominantly on the reader rather than on the protocol. So if you really know how to read the scans, you can find the appendix, whether it was with IV, whether it was oral, whether it was both. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to find it no matter what happens. And yes, you can do lower dose studies or higher dose studies. Again, the variations will often be dependent on the reader so very very important and that article by Herzer and then this article by Anderson talking about that uh, once you use 64-slice CT and do coronal reconstructions that whether you did IV contrast alone or IV and oral it was the same accuracy and that's a very important big point because it makes the point you don't need to have patients wait two or three hours in the ER for oral contrast to get down as long as you know how to read CT you can do it with just IV contrast and there's no difference so IV contrast will use water but you don't need to wait more than 15 minutes get the contrast study done use the reconstructions and your accuracy will be the same very very important points and these two articles really do make the point that you got to learn how to read appendicitis studies it seems like an easy thing to do but it's not so easy there's also an article this month's radiology talking about CT versus ultrasound of the appendix and the authors make a good point radiation protection is one of our primary concerns but we also need to ensure that each patient receives the most accurate examination for the clinical problem radiation exposure is reduced by doing things appropriately but unnecessary surgery and an eruption appendix are not the most appropriate alternatives so do the study right and ct is critical in that regard very good article to read and again that is really what we are doing we need to ensure that each patient receives the most accurate examination for the clinical problem if you reduce dose and you don't make the diagnosis and the patient dies you didn't save much or a patient has perforated appendix and is in the hospital with an abscess you didn't save the patient anything so again understand get the right protocols but you need to balance the dose versus the diagnosis Last thing I'll comment on will be on trauma. A couple good articles talking about uh, CT in the trauma setting using CTA. We do a lot of gunshot wounds, stab wounds, and the like. That 64-slice CT with CTA is very good at looking at complications, occlusion, pseudoaneurysms, active extravasation, and intimal dissection. It is the study of choice to do. CT aids in the decision-making process to determine the appropriate manage for each injury in each patient. Protocols become critical because the potential limitations typically are poor injection, motion, inadequate positioning, and streak artifact. Streak artifact may be due to bullets, so something you can't avoid. But in general, uh, we can do very good studies, 3D mapping with CT angiography, volume rendering with MIP, with bone removal, work very nicely, and we have some lectures about that coming along. So summarizing two lectures the last two weeks, this was the second of the two lectures showing you very important information, the literature that affects our daily practice, and I'm going to try to do on a monthly or bi-monthly basis, bring you these critical changes in our knowledge base and how it affects all of us in practice. Now with that, have a great day.